Hello everyone, welcome back to the Pre-Construction Podcast. It's your host here, Gareth McGlynn. As always, with all of your pre-construction crack from around the US. Now, so this episode is a special episode. We are announcing, we're helping Beck Technology announce a, an event which is going to happen in October. It's October the 13th and October 14th in Dallas, Texas. And it is called Precon Word. Now, I really like this event because it's all about the estimators and the pre-construction managers and the pre-construction world um, themselves. It's all about learning and development and learning from your peers and getting discussion. We talk about collaboration all the time. You can collaborate with the architect, the, the engineers, the clients, but what about the collaboration within the pre-con world and about the estimators? We're all going through the same challenges, so let's get into a room and let's thrash it out. So I'm really looking forward to this. Who better to talk me through this and talk us through this is Stuart Carroll, the president of Beck Technology. So we'll go through why he's hosting the event, what we can expect at the event, but we're also going to go through much, much more. We're going to go through the impact of the economy on the pre-con world right now. We're also going to talk about the hybrid work. Hybrid work within Beck Tech is unique, um, and Stuart's kind of hit it on the hit the nail on the head when it comes to getting it right. So he's going to discuss that. He's also going to discuss something that's close to his heart, and that's mentorship in the pre-construction industry. How to find a mentor, what you can expect from a mentor, um, and then we're going to talk about peer groups uh, within the pre-con world. And Stuart's going to talk about his own experiences with that. So without further ado, it's over to Stuart. Stuart Carroll, welcome back to the Pre-Construction Podcast. Gareth, great to see you, my friends. Always a pleasure. Brilliant. Our big, big partner, um, Beck Technology, of the podcast has been instrumental in the success of the podcast so far. So we're just catching up with you again, finding out what you're up to. I believe you're just back from San Fran in, a, I think it was a peer review, was it? Or a peer kind of just yeah, getting yeah. together, chatting. Yeah, so I've always been a, um, a big fan of um, not hitting every tree in the forest, so to speak. And um, I was fortunate enough to join a peer group, um, I don't know, about 10 years ago, um, where I get an opportunity a couple times a year to go meet with other leaders of software companies and hear some of their war stories, learn uh, from them vicariously, so to speak. So I was out on the West Coast visiting and customers and also um, hearing from other CEOs on what they're doing um, with their businesses, their different industries, but definitely uh, facing a lot of the same challenges that uh, I face at Bechtech. So it was a great opportunity to learn. Brilliant. And, and one thing I see all the time for your content and your social media is your integrations with other tech companies. I mean, you're not afraid to sit, sit down with people and go, listen, what are you doing well? How can we help you? Let's, let's bring this, this whole industry forward. Uh, together yeah I'm, I'm, I mean I'm a firm believer that that um, you know there's plenty of room in this industry to improve um, for those delivering real estate those providing tools to um, you know contractors um, I don't think um, you know we're at that point where um, we need to keep what we do secret I think if we can help the industry raise the bar I think it's better for all and um, yeah, we, we very much believe in um, sharing our, our, our war stories, good and bad, um, and helping anybody that's interested in 
avoiding some of the pitfalls that we have. And if there's any successes that we can share with them that, that, that make them better and bring value to their customers in the industry, we're all about doing that. So yeah, yeah. very much a, a big, big believer in partnership. I love the confidence um, and, and anybody, and, and I want to ask you now, obviously we're just past the halfway point. Is there anything the second half of the year that you think the listeners can get involved in? They might find interesting, they can attend. Yeah, very, very much kind of along the same theme, actually, of, um, you know, learning from others. Um, we're very excited. We have our first um, industry-wide event. We're calling it Precon World. It's uh, October the 13th and 14th. It's in Dallas. The big idea is to build a community around pre-construction professionals. Um, let's get rid of the smoke and mirrors. Um, let's talk about reality. What are, what are our teams, our companies facing? What are the challenges? What are the pitfalls that we run into? And as, a, as an industry, a group of you know, professionals, let's, let's solve some of these problems together. Obviously, um, everybody has unique differences, but I think there's a lot in common that we can learn from. So we're super excited about having, you know, pre-con world in Dallas. Um, and we're excited as that it eventually becomes the platform to help pre-con teams around the country build local communities, regional communities, national communities, probably international communities that they can turn to um, with questions um, as they're facing their day-to-day -day challenges within their business. I love that. I mean, there's nothing better. Everybody thinks that they're sitting in their own wee office in their own wee, their own wee town thinking, oh my God, am I the only person going through this? And the, the chances are not only nationally, statewide, internationally, uh, it'd be great. Even if you, you you go to something like this, you hit it off with someone, you just, you just hit it off personally. Exactly. You can just ring them and go, listen, I'm having this absolute disaster. Um, let, well, help I, me. I, I, th I think as an industry, we, we, we kind of think, well, we've got to keep our numbers close to our chest and, you know, what we do is our secret source. And I think there's an element of that. But if you, if you really take a big step back, we're all working with the same subs. We're typically working with the same materials, the same supply chain challenges, the same, you know, economic forces that are going on around us. Um, there's definitely opportunities to, to pull down those, those defenses and let, let's share. We can, we can raise the bar together. It always sort of blows my mind when I go to industry events. That, that unfortunately, they're not they're not direct, they're not raw kind of conversations. And I think one of the things that we owe ourselves in this industry is to have really blunt, direct conversations. I think it's the only way that we get better. So I'm I'm excited to have people come in and and share not just what's working, but I think um, what's not working. And I think through sharing what's not working, we can have some really healthy conversations and some suggestions on things that, that could improve the industry as a whole. Well, I'll tell yeah. you what, there's going to be plenty to discuss in 2022 because there are <laughs> some serious challenges. Couldn't, <laughs> couldn't agree more. And, <laughs> and we're excited about the opportunities as the second half of the year. It's it's perfect timing to have those. I challenges. think so, yeah. So get, give us, uh, anybody interested, where do they go to try and get on, on this or get involved or get yeah, they there's, there's definitely a lot of social media posts going on right now. So check out LinkedIn, check out Facebook, check out um, Twitter, but also you can go directly to our website. Um, we'll also follow up with you and we'll put it into the, the chat, I'm sure. Yeah. Anybody that's interested, please um, you know click on the link and we'll, we'd love to see you in Dallas the 13th and 14th of October.
Brilliant. And let's kind of continue that conversation, Stuart, with the economic challenges that we've had throughout the year. I mean, meeting with your peer groups, is is everyone seeing the same things? I mean, obviously, there's there's no silver bullet to this at all. um, But are we seeing any 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 solutions? Any? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I think I think there's a lot of doom and gloom out there um, in the national press um, about, you know, inflation specifically, but there's obviously a lot more to it with supply chain and and things like that. Um, However, I think within our industry, and I think this was the advice from the peer groups, it's important to understand the macroeconomic outlook, but it's also important to look at how your specific industry um, is faring and look for leading indicators um, within your industry. We are fortunate, um, and I'll be happy to share links if people are interested to have some of those in construction. You know, the the American Institute of Architecture (AIA) um, publishes its its ABI, its Architectural Billings Index, and if you think about our, our you know delivery process, design typically happens nine, 12, 18 months ahead of construction. And it, it really gives you um, a crystal ball into what are architecture firms seeing in terms of pursuits, things that could turn into projects. What are they seeing in terms of awards, real money being awarded to architect to design future projects, and then actual billings, so things that are in design. And I get excited um, when I see the ABI above 50, which indicates that year over year, it's still more billings, more pursuits, more awards than prior years. And if you look um, year to day, while it's slowing growth, it's still growth. Yeah. So um, I, I, I think there is um, plenty of opportunities still out there for, for construction companies. I obviously validate that anecdotally with, with customers whenever I go to visit and I'm hearing the same thing. I also subscribe to, there's, a, there's an economist, um, economist group called ITR Economics and um, I followed them for 10, 12 years. They actually are pretty good about um, breaking the US economy down into different segments. Right. One of the segments that they track is construction and within construction, they have residential and then they have about seven types of non-residential construction, um, healthcare, um, mission critical, you know, um, multifamily office, et cetera, et cetera. And while, again, they're showing slowing growth, they're, they're, they're forecasting um, what they're calling a soft landing, meaning we will not go into recession within construction. So those give me a lot of um, positive that we're, we're not in the um, doom and gloom, perhaps, that we hear and see daily from the national press. And then the last thing um, that I'm, I'm still seeing and hearing that I also think is good and this is actually true at the national level too, which is, um, you know, unemployment rates continue to drop. And if you think about the, the, the supply of real estate needed in our economy over the next 10 years and the amount of um, manpower that, that is necessary to do that, we, we have a major challenge ahead of us. So um, I think the fact that the economy continues to grow in construction, even at declining rates for the next 12 months or so, well, that one will recover. The fact that there's need for um, people, I think there's opportunities for technology and tools companies out there to, to really see um, tremendous growth over the next few years, helping those companies navigate the, the headwinds. So while nationally it's doom and gloom, I don't think it's all doom and gloom. And I, I think we've got a, a pretty 
nice outlook for construction and particularly my business when I when I look at how our customers are currently impacted and how they potentially will be impacted over the next 12 months. Brilliant. Um, I love that. And I will put links to all three or four of those company, those, those um, websites and, and uh, polls. And what I like as well is the ABIs. Yes, they're, they're going well and there's a small bit of growth, but the people thing is really important because I think it's unsustainable to continue pumping out these projects four or five a week with the pre-con divisions and the estimating teams because they're just they're getting to breaking point it's just too much so that slowdown I, i'm sure won't be welcomed but with but through the business owners but with the pre-con teams they will be more than happy to take not the foot off the gas but get back to real real looking at projects really in depth um and be confident when they throw that bid out the door that that bid is rock solid, um, whether it be the, the price fluctuations or whatever it may be, or the risk factor, they can sit back and go, you know what? Instead of putting out five bids that are 80% complete, there's now three really solid good bids going out. Yeah, I, I, th I think there's a lot of truth to that, Gareth. I think the other thing that's interesting, I think there's plenty of opportunities in our industry to look at. Um, I'm going to call them low value activities that might, might incite a few people, but um, you know, we, we spend a lot of time on counting and measuring and formatting and, you know, back and forth with, with emails and calls. And, um, I think that's just, our industry is ripe for um, more efficient workflows. And I think, you know, a little bit of pressure in the economy usually gets people thinking mm -hmm. and, put technology to one side, even if it's streamlining manual activities that we, we do, I think it's good for the industry. Um, when, you, when you sort of layer on technology, I think technology can be the catalyst to change. And I think um, there's plenty of opportunities for vendors like ourselves to listen to our customers and try to put um, you know, more effective um, solutions to help them do what they do even more efficiently. And, Ideally, they would be focusing more and more of their time exactly where you were, were, were going on high value activities. Let's have more conversations with the subs. Let's benchmark against other projects. Let's creatively come up with, with solutions. I think a lot of our pre-con teams get into this world to solve problems. Unfortunately, because of the antiquated workflows, we become bean counters. And I think there's, there's tremendous opportunity to attract talent, keep talent, um, and really, you know, provide a, an increased set of value to to our customers, the building owners. Brilliant. And I think you, you, you for when listening to you speak in, in various platforms, lean estimating, um, it's about getting the people doing what they, that they were born to do and, and using the experience they've had over the last 15, 20 years and solving problems at the, at the earliest stage. Yeah, I'm, I'm a believer. People solve problems. Technology, yeah. are, are, technology is there to, to to act as a tool to help people do things. I think there's tremendous opportunities with tools, but I think at the end of the day, it's really, really smart people. And we have a ton of them being in a position to to solve bigger problems, and oftentimes they don't get that opportunity because of the amount of time wasted on these other activities. So. I, th I think I think the opportunities are, are tremendous, and I'm super excited about you know the transition we've seen because of COVID coming out of COVID. I think a little bit of pressure in the in the in the market around pricing and competitiveness, it's going to be there, but it's a good thing. And I think out of this, we have an opportunity to really take our industry to another level.
Yeah, and the pressure, you, you actually bring it nicely onto the next thing. The pressure on the industry through COVID has also shown us that the, the hybrid, uh, the ability to work from home or work from anywhere, essentially, it, it works, it's, it's achievable. Um, getting it right, I think we don't have it right just yet. I think we're still working through the process and how it's going to look coming out the other end, but at least we're having a conversation around it, both from an employer point of view and employee point of view. Um, how do you see that, that kind of washing out? So it's kind of interesting to me, um, you know, I've, I've spoken to a lot of customers. I think our industry has this, um, this history of being very relationship oriented. Um, if I see my employees in, you know, seats in butts, uh, butts and seats rather, I actually prefer it the first way around. Um, <laughs> um, I know they're there, I know they're working. And the challenge with, with hybrid or remote work is you don't see them in the same way. So I think, I think there's an element of trust that um, is required in order to make it work. It's not easy, it's not for the faint of heart. However, if you can make it work, and I think many construction companies did make it work through, through you know, 2020 into 2021, I think you can um, position yourself attracting talent with a major competitive advantage. And I, I feel like the um, evaluation and figuring out where activities can be done in a remote or hybrid environment um, should happen. It, we should challenge ourselves. We shouldn't go in with those preconceived notions that because we haven't done it for thousands of years, we shouldn't do it going forward. I think if you can figure out how to make it work, you'll attract the brightest and the best. You'll keep the brightest and the best. It requires a really strong culture of trust. I think we're in that world where our industry requires an element of trust. We were talking before we came on the podcast about supply chain and working with subs and working with architects. And I think the only way you pull down traditional barriers is by building trust. And I think it starts at home. If, if you have a culture of trust where you trust your employees, you have to trust and verify. Yeah. You know, it can't just be, you know, you do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. That doesn't, doesn't lead to a successful business. But I think if you can build a culture of trust and verify, it doesn't just benefit your team. It benefits the entire supply chain. Yeah. And I think the more that we can get people together, the more that we can collectively solve bigger problems. You may have a specific problem that somebody else downstream or somebody else upstream can solve for you. And the only way you can do that is, is through trust, having those trusting conversations and being vulnerable. Yeah. And I think as, as, a, as a construction owner, that trust can start somewhere. So it can start with the employees, the flexibility. It can start with the architectural firm. It can start with a good partnership with the sub. <clears throat> And then once they realize that it works there, they can bring it to the owner. The art, it just, it just exactly, it starts in the middle and it just blossoms. Um, and I yeah. think we're seeing that because some, some GCs are seeing it the easy way. Some, some are seeing it the hard way. Um, they're, they're, they're not offering flexibility to their, their, their pre-construction estimating departments and they're asking for it. They're not getting it and they're moving elsewhere. Um, I think it's a necessity. And I think the, the five days working from the office, working all the time from the offices, it's, it's going to be gone within the next six to 12 months. Well, you must be seeing it with, with um, new candidates. I would imagine if, if a company offers it, it's a competitive advantage. The, the, uh, the candidate looks at that as a big benefit. Yeah. Yeah. We did a poll recently. I think it was 2,600 estimators all over the U S we gave them four options, working from home, flexibility, increase in salary, 
uh, technology and the other one was, I can't remember, but it was like overwhelmingly 56% was, it was flexibility and working from home. And it wasn't working from home 100%. It was the flexibility of dropping their kid off to, the, to, to the, their softball game, um, just being more understanding. One day working, working from home, doing your, as you say, the data entry, the pre-construction, sorting out the pre-construction, uh, historical data, whatever it may be. Because these tasks can, once once you're organized and your time management's organized, you can do, when you're in the office for those eight, nine, 10 hours, you can do the high-hitting war room design, value engineering, the problem solving that you should be doing uh, and you can do the rest and, and that could be just building relationships with the sub you can do that from home yeah i agree i mean it's, it's funny a lot of what the, the pushback that i that i hear is is things like you know i hear well our team requires a lot of face time for team bonding and, and mentoring and training i hear you know worries about culture um, I'll, I'll share with you, and you, you know, you can share these as, as, as you want, Gareth. Um, one of the speakers at my peer group meeting last week was was talking about there's a lot of false um, stereotypes out there, and a lot of false information around like you have to be in person to build culture. You have to spend time, and you have to have face time, and you have to have honest and open conversations. You have to be vulnerable. That's all true, but to be in the same physical location as somebody else to build a strong culture is is it's not proven out in all of the data. Um, so I, I almost feel like we we have again we have these false stereotypes or false notions in our head of what will work, what won't work, won't work, and we shut it down. And I think that being open, being vulnerable, being willing to try new things is a mindset. And I think if you can make it work, the that the world is yours in the future because you'll be able to, I genuinely mean this, be more efficient. You'll have more loyal employees. Um, your consultants, uh, subcontractors, your architects, your owners will love you because you have this mindset of, of focusing on the problem and being open and transparent about the, the challenges. Brilliant. Yeah. And, but it's so when you meet a, a, an owner of a GC, you speak to them and you say, listen, I'm looking to, to build my pre-con team and, and, and these four or five locations throughout the States. You, you get a feel for their behavior, for, for what they want to bring, what they're offering right now. And you just go, there's a breath of fresh air. It really is. And they, they you, you just partner with them. Like, and, and there's loads of companies. I have calls all the time where I just say to them upfront and honestly, I can't work with you until you change these three things. Yeah. Um, and it's generally around flexibility, technology, and and salary bands. Um, and I said, listen, I would love to help you, but until you change those three things, I would literally be spinning my wheels. It just cannot happen. Um, and then, and again, people do business with people, you know, um, and it's the same. I talk to them all the time about middle management. It's so important. The C-suite, the president can have all the, the greatest ideas in the world, but if you haven't got middle management in those various states, running good offices and doing the right things, doing the right behaviors, having the right characteristics, it won't happen. Um, yeah. So I, I love, I, and it, it just gives me a good fuzzy feeling for the future of the industry because I see it more and more. I, I just see it evolving. There's more trust we talked about. There's more flexibility. People are more, more empathy. Which yeah, is I couldn't agree more. It's, it's funny too, when you, when, you know, going back to where we started with, um, you know, our challenges around workforce. We don't just need to keep the people that are here. We need to attract talent and bring people from other industries um, into construction. 
And when you think about problems, there aren't many more complicated problems than the problems that our, our construction teams are, are trying to solve. It just needs to get positioned um, correctly. And then, as you said, to have the flexibility and technology that other industries have to do the job. I mean, there's nothing more embarrassing than giving a, a recent construction grad, construction management grad, a set of digital crayons and go now trace over the top of this drawing. I mean, it's something, you know, a sixth grader can do. And I, I, I feel like, as I said, the industry is right for this. And I think being open and, and willing to explore, even if it's not everything that other industries are doing. Yeah. Open up your mind and look for one or two things that you can build around and then start to build a culture that, that enables you to make these kinds of changes. And before you know it, you will be on that, that leading edge, not the bleeding edge, but the leading edge of, of, of you know, what can be done inside design construction. And you must see it, especially in the last three, four years, Stuart, you <clears throat> must have seen, I mean, you've been in the industry for, for a, since the beginning and of, of pre-construction technology. You must be getting really excited of what's happening over the last three years, at least. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, it was funny. I, I've been in the industry a long time. I probably had an afro or something. When we, when we <laughs> I want to see that. Yeah, but um, I, I, I thought even when I got into the industry as a, as a young guy, you know, the industry is ripe for change. But things in our industry take time. Yeah. And I, f I feel like the, you know, the timing, the opportunity, the choices are right here, right now. And I, I, I get excited. I also get excited to see companies, both big and small, that have sort of taken those leaps of faith and have, have benefited enormously. You know, I don't think it's, you, you can't push people off a cliff. They need to be calculated investments of, of time and process change and technology. Um, and I, I, I get really excited when you see a 20 something that has come into our industry that would never have come in otherwise. And they look at the world through completely different lens and they augment that, you know, a person that's been in the industry 30, 40 years and you get the best of both worlds. You, you understand the pitfalls, but you also get the creativity and the dynamicism of people that wouldn't have ended up in our industry. So, yeah, I, I've seen a lot of movement in, in our space the last three or four years. Um, and I think it's just the start. I wish it happened 20, 25 years ago when I first got into it, but I'm, I'm super excited it's happening and it's the second half of my career that I get to see it. Absolutely. And, and one thing you kind of touched on, and I know you're a big believer on this mentorship programs and mentoring, uh, people, how does it work within back tech? Because again, like, I mean, you guys are a, a technology company, but you're, you're so closely aligned with, with construction. What can we learn from you guys? Well, I think I think there's a lot of you know mutual learning. I don't I don't think it's just us. Um, I don't want anybody listen to this and feel like you know we got it down because we don't. No, of course. However, not. however, I, I think there's a lot that we we do around our culture that I think um, lends itself to you know we we're talking hybrid just a minute ago, a hybrid work environment, um, embracing technology. A lot of people outside don't think technology companies using technology. We have the same reluctance to change um, as everybody else. I think it's in our culture, though, where we weekly, daily, monthly uh, embrace change and we make calculated investments in time. So back to where you, you, you started with, with mentoring, um, we, we limit the number of direct reports 
that we have to manage it's we very much believe that if you get beyond five to one you're not spending enough time with each of those employees on a on a daily or weekly cadence um, reviewing what they did how they did it giving them an opportunity to talk about where they want to go in their career giving them advice around where they want to go in their career so we limit it five to one <clears throat> the other thing we do Anybody that manages has a requirement every week that they, they do a one hour minimum one-to-one um, -one with each of their direct reports. And you can sort of think of it as there's three sections to the one-to-ones. There's any issues that the employee wants to bring up and discuss with the manager. Those can be across the board. They can be small, they can be big. So, you know, it is the employee's meeting and the employee should have time to bring whatever issues that they want to the table. The second is um, a human to human conversation. How's your sister doing? She was sick last week, is she better? Um, you know, I, I think it's very hard in life to draw hard lines between work and life. They, they ebb and they flow and building a trusting relationship where you genuinely care about your employees, I think is really, really key to creating this open, innovative environment. You, innovation, is inherently you're, you're going to fail sometimes, probably more often than you succeed. And the fact that you, you're vulnerable, that you care, that you show that um, gives people a platform to try things that they, they otherwise wouldn't. So I think that's the second element in the one-to-one. -one. And then the third one is this is a journey. You know, um, it's, not a, it's not a what are you doing tomorrow? What are you doing the following day? What are you doing? Where do you want to be in your career? What's, what's, what's your your big driving reason behind doing what you do and how do you want to leave a legacy for our industry, for your family, for yourself. So understanding that I think week to week and putting a plan in place to help people get there. Um, it's interesting, Gareth. So we've had employees that have said they want to end up in a place that isn't back tech. And that takes again, a lot of trust, a lot of, um, you know, um, I don't know the right word, but the the ability to you know just be vulnerable is the word. Yeah, and be comfortable. Be comfortable. I mean, to be able to bring bring that bring that up with your bosses. That's 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 incredible. And I, I think we we have this mindset of look, my responsibility as a manager is to prepare you for the next step in your journey, but I can't prepare you for that if I don't know where you ultimately want to be. Yeah. So whether it's here or or somewhere else, I I want to do as right by you as humanly possible. And I'm a believer that if I do right by you, you're going to do right by me. Yeah. And I'll get 110% of your time while you're here. And if that's a, a week, a year, five years, 10 years, that's great. But yeah. my bigger responsibility is to that employee's long-term goal. Yeah. So we, we, we very much um, believe in mentoring our employees, coaching our employees. Um, and we think all of that leads to a culture where you have high energy, you're passionate, you're willing to innovate, challenge the status quo, and you care deeply about everybody around you. So for us, those are the three things that we, we lean I on. love that last part. I mean, you think about it, right? So as you say, you're no point in keeping someone that can add more value to somewhere else within the industry, even if it's outside of your company. That in itself is just doing so much for the industry um, because so many people want to, they hear someone wants to leave and they go, ah, oh, no, I've just got to keep them at all costs. But at all costs is to detriment to the whole industry. Not only that, but your own company. Um, and exactly, it comes back to happy employees. I mean, there's no point in keeping someone if they're not happy um, and, and finding them out, finding them 
to what makes them happy, you, you just got to ask the question and they've got to be comfortable enough in the culture to answer the question, honestly. But I also think it changes your mindset around like what you do and how you do it. Like, okay, so back to construction, you know, we, we rely a lot on senior people and what they have in their head. Yeah. And when that person leaves the organization, that information goes with them. I think capturing the information so it becomes, you know, company specific knowledge as opposed to individual knowledge. Mm -hmm. I think there are ways to do that. I think there's documented best practices, there's mentoring, there's coaching, there's using technology and storing data and databases and things like that. And I think that whole mindset of it's not about keeping this one employee doing what they're doing, it's about their journey. I think it, it just reframes the whole view of what we do as a business and it, it impacts what we do for technology. It impacts everything that we do, our processes, um, our onboarding, our outboarding. And I, I think if, if there was one thing I would encourage construction companies to do, pre-con teams specifically to do is just take a big step back every once in a while from your preconceived notions of how things have been done and challenge yourselves on could they be done differently? And if they were done differently, what would be the benefit of doing that? And that sort of back to where we started, why I get excited about Precon World. If we can do that once, twice, three, four times a year, it's better than what we're doing today, which is just go, 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 go. I'm looking forward to this Precon World, I tell you. Um, so, so are you telling me that you haven't developed a program that can download the brain of a 35-year-old industry veteran? That would be nice. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think we're going to get there. But what we, we believe is that if we can capture all of the data that goes into a lot of the deliverables yeah. and we can serve that data up in different ways, we're not there yet, but we're starting to see a lot more machine learning and AI. It's not a silver bullet. It's not intended to remove humans. It's yeah. intended to create tools for humans to spend human time on human strengths, which is solving problems. Make, making an estimator a pre-construction manager's job more enjoyable, let's be honest, because as much as we all love administrative work and, and the, the mundane tasks that we have to do every day, I wouldn't mind not doing them um, for, for a while or, or, you know what I mean, being able to just oh. sit, sit back and, and take all the information in, but to be able to give me thoughts on it and, and solve problems that way. Well, it goes back to my point earlier about most people get into the industry because they love solving problems. And yeah. as kids, you know, we all have those legos and you know in england and ireland it was meccano or you know erector sets here i think a lot a lot of us are problem solvers and uh, i think i think focusing on problems and proactively solving problems is is a benefit for the people in the industry it's a huge benefit if we can get the industry there for the owners the building owners we're focused on better as opposed to the cheapest or the quickest or you know some of those measures that really may not long-term be the right measures of best that's right but it's difficult to do that it's hard decisions hard decisions have to be made and sometimes saying no unbelievable amounts of, of nuggets of information there and knowledge uh Stuart. i really appreciate that um and again we can find more of that in pre-con world so am i right in saying 13th and 14th in dallas i'm going to put the, the links down below to the three or four different abi unemployment rates um itr <laughs> All the links will be below in the show notes. Um, and I, for one, will be at, uh, at Precon World. So I'm looking forward to seeing you there. I love it. Well, I, I, uh, I look forward to seeing you. I look forward, look forward to seeing lots of friendly faces ready and willing to explore some 
some really healthy, um, raw conversations. Good, man. Thank you very much, Stuart. All right, man. Thank you, Gareth. Well, well, folks, you heard it from the man himself, Stuart Carroll. Precon World is officially announced. That is right, October 13th, October 14th in Dallas, Texas. If you're going, if you're interested in going, get in touch with myself or Stuart. Uh, I will put a link to a ticket down below in the show notes. If you've got any questions about it, feel free to reach out to Stuart, reach out to myself. Um, If you're going already, looking forward to seeing you there. Stay tuned. Thank you.